0: Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM eighty nine point three. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Go, and Chuan Tian Tien. It's now time for Market View. Um, and this is on the back of how, you know, for the past seventy-four years, the US has only avoided a recession once when mm-hmm. unemployment moved up by one percent. And last night on Capitol Hill, the face-off between <laughs> Jay Powell and Elizabeth Warren uh over the Fed's appetite for rising unemployment. We're gonna get to those hawk Comments in a bit.
1: Yes, that's right. And we'll pose our questions to our guests for today. But first, a quick recap of how we started uh, in Singapore today. Singapore shares were in the negative territory early on after interest rate hike fears really spread across global markets overnight. The Straits Times Index was down 0.3 percent in early trade to 3,235 points after 186 million securities changed hands. Now, off to the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed down. Down 0.57%, we're looking at 3,226 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.02 billion. The gainers' throat loses 199 versus 334. Top advances for today ascend bridge, Best World and Life Tech, and top decliners Jardine Cycle and Carriage, JMH USD, and New Incorporation USD. Now, some companies seeing new developments include Costco Shipping International. It formed a JV, a joint venture, with its associate called Supply Fortune to invest in logistics infrastructure assets. In the meantime, investors continue to see through details from Fed Chair Jerome Powell's hawkish comments before the Senate Banking Committee. Lots to watch joining us as we break down. These developments, Christopher Forbes, head of CMC Invest Singapore. Well, Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Uh, good afternoon and uh, happy International Women's Day to you.
1: Oh, well, thanks, Chris. And Chris, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today?
2: Do you know what? I think it fared pretty well considering what happened in the US overnight um, and what's happened in broad Asian markets. I mean, to be down 57 basis points, it's not a bad outcome, um, especially as Singapore is a very rate sensitive index. You know, it's primarily financials. Um, real estate industrials you know they on the net benefit from higher rates given where financials are Um, but overall I thought it held up very well I just don't see a huge amount of upside here Mm. given we have resistance just above our heads at around the 3,475 at the same time it's quite cheap it's you know trading at 12 times earnings nearly 4% yield I just don't see it going anywhere other than sideways Um, and then ultimately as the US comes out of this period I think growth and India, China, Taiwan, the U.S. become attractive again. Mm.
0: Uh, Christopher, regarding the biggest movers for today, um, and when you consider the sectors that they lie in, any surprise there?
2: Not really. I mean, the biggest, the, the, I mean, look, the, the winner, I mean, the highest, the, sort of within the, the, the big caps was Singair and Singtel, both who, let's face it, have had a torrid time from a, um, from a pricing perspective. Yeah. And then, obviously, the, the better performers were the banks, and the banks, you know, they benefit from net interest margins, um, and DBS and the like have produced some superb numbers of late. Um, big growth ambitions, strong capital position, they're paying a special divi. To be honest, it's a pretty good story to be part of.
1: Hmm. And zooming in on some companies to watch, Chris, uh, Costco Shipping International has formed a JV with its associate to invest in logistics infrastructure assets. Now, Costco said the JV will create a digital supply chain investment platform, allowing the group to develop the supply chain market in Southeast Asia. Any thoughts on this?
2: So the first thing is supply chain smells or sounds expensive from a capex Mm -hmm. and opex perspective. So that's the first, not worry, but it's the first red flag. Yeah. Um, JVs are obviously great if they can improve that bottleneck which everyone in the world is feeling now um, if you look at the Baltic Dry Index as a proxy it's, you know, it's not a great time to be investing um, to be honest but the world has moved from just in time to just in case so that means we need to carry more inventory we need to increase that supply chain so I think they're doing, um, they're doing some good public service here um, but it doesn't feel like a great time um, to be investing
0: we're on the line right now with Christopher Forbes, who is head of CMC Invest Singapore. Christopher, um, let's talk about Lienbing Group. Uh, its unit has secured a new construction project, bumping up the group's construction order book in Singapore to some $2.1 billion. How significant is this development?
2: Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's effectively guaranteed the next eight, 10-year pipeline for them. Um, so that's a nice place to be. So they they are experienced um, Called, I think we call them ECs here, Executive Condo Projects Managers. They have things like the ritz Colton, Oxley Tower, MBS under their sort of uh, portfolios. Um, securing new contracts is great for growth, for job creation, better standard of living. Ultimately, it's about a $600 million order book since April. Again, it trades at around a 5% div yield, five times earnings. It's a pretty good story to be part of. And having a, a big order book is obviously a great thing from a, from a business perspective.
1: Well, Chris, let's take a look at some of the headlines around the world. Fed Chair Jerome Powell's testimony is in focus this week. And so far, he has testified before the Senate Banking Committee that the Fed will need to raise rates more than expected in response to strong data and uh, is prepared to move in larger steps as well. This is, of course, a stark contrast from, you know, when he said a disinflationary process in the U.S. economy has begun, which which just happened just about a month ago, uh, by the way. So what stood out to you? To what extent is a 50 BPS hike in March almost certain?
2: As you said, it's, it's almost a guarantee now. So the, I took two things away from this. One is yeah. the peak terminal level um, is higher than expected, as we know. But more importantly, the pace at which they can increase and the, and the, uh, the size at which they can increase, it's, you know, that, that 50 basis point step change makes a material difference. I think you know, the market's pricing in between 55 to 6% now. Wow. Um, which you know, as soon as as soon as um, they mentioned this last night, stocks fell, Treasuries jumped, and, and let's face it, that two percent long run Fed rate looks um look, it looks like a nice to have right now. It is not likely in the next few years at least. Um, there is a lag effect from the past hikes that are still not played out. I do sympathise with the Fed there, but that soft this is why it's so tricky for them to get that soft landing, which they desperately need. Um, you know, it's going to be really tricky because I don't see any signs of deflation in the real economy. Hmm. And we've obviously got the Fed beige book coming on Thursday. We have job claims uh, Thursday and non-farm payroll Friday. So these are all huge um, data and reference points for the market to be watching. <laughs>
1: Right, and uh, as you mentioned, soft landing is in question. And in fact, senators responded to Powell's testimony with more questions as to whether um, the Fed can tame price pressures without significant damage to economic growth. In the spotlight, is this exchange between Senator Elizabeth Warren and? Uh, Power. Warren was criticising that the Fed was gambling with people's lives. Uh, two million people uh, could be put out of job if I remember correctly. Are there any other tools that the Fed can use to achieve a soft landing? Really?
2: So yes, I would say that. the but, but, but jobs are at almost at an all time high, and yeah. the Fed is obsessed by maximi- they effectively focused on three things: maximising employment, stable pricing, and uh, Fed fund inflation rate of around two percent. It's a very fine balancing act, to be honest. Um, and, and the horse has already bolted, so now we're trying to tame one of those three. I think in terms of what levers does the, the Fed have? or well, the ultimate one is tightening, uh, or effectively monetary mm-hmm. policy, sucking liquidity out of the market by selling government rate by selling government uh, yields, and uh, increasing that money for decreasing that money for lending and growth. You can do open market operation, which is similar, which we saw in other financial crises, like an operation twist, where right. you manipulate the curve. They obviously have things like reserve uh, requirement ratio, which means banks you effectively hike that so banks can't lend as much. Um, the, left, the left field solution is the Russia-Ukraine war and a tempering of deglobalisation. I think that's wishful thinking at this point. And mm. obviously they can use things like forward guidance. Um,
1: Do you think those other tools that you mentioned can be as effective in bringing down inflation while uh, yes. trying to minimise that kind of side effect on the economy?
2: Yes, one hundred percent because I, I I think the last time I joined you on this show i I still don't believe this is a financial crisis as we know it. It's yeah. effectively deglobalisation from China, and we're now onshoring and exporting inflation instead, which is effectively a thirty year one way street. We're now unwinding that. so inflation, in my view, is here to stay for a while. I don't think necessarily that raising rates um, to impact the the man on the street with his mortgage or his business is the right tool to use in isolation.
1: Yeah, and a very quick question over here is that if those tools that we mentioned earlier could work with uh, minimal side effects, why is the Fed not using it? What's stopping them from doing so?
2: Well, I think they're trying everything other than to use different methods. I think Mm. Operation Twist in the past in Europe was... was, um, Mm, I'm not. I, I think it worked, but again, it's not the right tool necessarily. Mm. Um, I think they have to, every single word that they say or through the minutes, investors are looking at. So they've got to be very careful about forward guidance. Mm. And I think Russia-Ukraine is unlikely to abate anytime soon. So really, they have to look at reserve requirement ratios, and some banks
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: still aren't in a position for them to hike that from say 12, 13% to 20%. So it's a very delicate position they're in.
1: Mm, right. Thanks very much, Chris. That was Christopher Forbes, head of CMC Invest Singapore. Thank you very much for joining us on Money My FM eighty nine point three.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.